Today on the Tech Bytes podcast, we're talking AI ops with sponsor Ogterra. Now you've probably heard about AI ops, frankly, all over the place, but Ogterra is taking a domain-specific approach by focusing directly on networking. And to tell us more, we're joined by Rahul Argawal. He is founder and CEO of Ogterra. Rahul, welcome to the podcast. Can you start us off? What's the elevator pitch on Ogterra? Ogterra is a purpose-built network AI platform. What we realized is that the market really needs a solution for network operations that's built from the ground up uh, with uh, the networking domain in mind. And that's what we have done. We have brought a networking focused solution to the market. It's widely deployed, adopted by some of the largest and some uh, several smaller enterprises all across the world. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the idea is that you're doing AI and ML, but you're focusing the algorithms you're designing specifically around networking related issues or the networking domain. That's exactly right. And in fact, uh, uh, in the beginning, we are focusing more on network operations. So our users are the operation teams, the SRE teams, even uh, our network engineers, and mm. across all domains, data center, WAN, SD-WAN, public cloud, hybrid cloud, yeah. Yeah. So what are the key features of Octera? If I was a customer coming to you for the first time, what are the three features that you would like to, to talk to them about that you would raise in that conversation? I see the first thing really is that if you look at uh, our networks, right, they're very, yeah. very complex and they've gotten more and more complex. They've got multiple layers and there is so much data. Uh, mm. And so what Octera does is we provide a very high, highly scalable end-to-end product that can be deployed either on-prem or a SaaS or in a hybrid mode. And it okay. can take all forms of network data. So it can take flow data, it can take topology, metrics, syslog, generic logs, public cloud logs. It can take all this. And from this, it can start to figure out without the operator telling the, the product what's normal. It can actually yeah. figure out using unsupervised techniques, the misbehaviors with very high fidelity with very, very few false positives. And this is done using purpose-built algorithms. We've built over nine algorithms. We tried open source algorithms. It was garbage in, garbage out because they did not understand the network. <laughs> I was actually thinking that it would normally take me six months to know if there was anomaly in a new network. I'd arrive and I'd start to get to know the network and understand what the business wants. And then after about six months, I'd start to know things like maybe there's an optical problem over here, or maybe there's some TCP tra retransmissions. And then I would start. So you're saying you can sort of get to that much quicker? Absolutely, we can. Mm. And this didn't happen overnight, right? So first, I'll tell you what we can do. We can learn the patterns across very granular objects. So for example, could be a TCP session, could be an interface, could be a CPU, or it can be the aggregate of the traffic coming out of a data center, or it can be the aggregate of TCP retransmissions, which are happening on my interconnect, on my internet circuits, for example. So yeah. you've got all this flexibility and we can figure this out anywhere from uh, 10 days to about 45 days, depending on the nature of the algorithms and seasonality and so on. Mm -hmm. And it's plug and play. I just jump on, I add your tool to the network, you start collecting data from the network, you'll be able to build up a baseline and start to detect the fact that there's TCP retransmissions on this link are beyond a certain threshold that's level. And I should be, and you would flag that to me, you're not going to fix it for me, but you're going to tell me that there's a problem there. You know, I don't want to nitpick, but yeah. I really dislike it when someone says beyond a certain threshold, because yeah. it uh, sort of implies a certain implementation technique, right? But actually, what we are doing has nothing to do with thresholds. 
threshold is old. It's done. It's done. Yeah. It's like part of your <laughs> the only old thing we could do right? back in the day, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So this, what we do, is uh, automatically learning from the patterns. It understands the complexity of the patterns, and it automatically figures out misbehavior without applying thresholds. Right. Uh, but but otherwise, yes, it, all this is happening. And you know, when we started out, it took us about two years of fundamental R and D. to really uh, you know come to a point where we can say look we can solve the problem because we were getting so much false positive from open source mm-hmm. so i'm assuming then if you're looking at a a whole bunch of different kinds of data sources uh, and you mentioned streaming tele- telemetry syslog snmp and so on are you giving me some kind of event correlation capability yeah uh, absolutely and you know what we are doing is we are actually this is a really good question we are making correlation network focus now what are networks right networks are all about topology uh and if you don't understand topology you don't understand the network so there are tools out there which will tell you they do correlation and they they are ai ops tools but what makes a ai ops tool network ai ops is understanding the topology and using the topology to automatically correlate let's say there is a bgp session which is multi hop and let's say the session flaps and you get events from both ends of the session and you get traffic rerouting which happens in between because bgp changed unless you understand the topology the fact that there is a multi hop bgp session what the path is in between you can't put all this together we can mm. so this gets down to i i like to talk about ai ops as sometimes being superhuman in theory i could go and look at all those logs and correlate that stuff and if i knew that there was a problem in you know getting through the logs and and analyzing 30 gigabytes of logs and doing filtering and stuff to find the problem this is where you want some sort of tool that's going to do that for you and so i know that there's a problem in here because i can work this out and then that's when ai ops becomes superhuman right so you know that that's a really really good uh, good way to think about it right because mm. ultimately um, we we like to say in a lot of cases that you're augmenting humans because mm. uh, certain things of course the humans can can do but it might take them a long time right and uh, certain things humans cannot do so if i have yeah. got a billion syslog messages in a day and i want to find that a few needles in that haystack that's very difficult for humans well, to do well you don't want to specify the needle you don't want to say i'm looking for a 3 inch needle with a you know that's 1 inch you know 1 mm wide and and i think also the thing about this is it's automated so this ai ops is actually a correlation of automation as well as this correlation like it's doing it for you which is what i think about yeah you know your first point is really good that you don't want to yeah. you don't even know what the needle is we like to call it unknown unknowns So in those billions of syslog a day suddenly a log shows up with a asic parity error. Well, mm. you don't know you're looking for asic parity error. Maybe it shows up a few times in a year if at all, but the first time it does, you want to catch it. Yeah. So we've built yeah. one of our algorithms is based on log and syslog data where it can catch these unknown unknowns without dropping any logs. It learns the the model and it says, "Oh, you know what? This asic parity error, I haven't seen it before." so mm. it's uh, that capability is actually supremely powerful uh, and then of course to be able to auto correlate it with other changes for the example that asic parity error might be yeah. resulting in packet drops you know one thing i've noticed with ai ops and there are a lot of vendors promoting ai ops in the marketplace and that's that's just a realization but one of the things i'm noticing about your product is it's not just niched into one type of networking it's not like oh i'm just doing the wifi or i'm just doing the wan or something like that you're actually saying ogera can be applied to any type of network on prem off prem whatever 
That's exactly right. And in fact, we've got production deployments today across mm-hmm. SD-WAN, data center, hybrid cloud, public cloud. And, you know, people used to actually uh, really be skeptical that this can be done. But we have very deep networking DNA in the company, including the founding team and the very early team. And we always realize that networks, generally speaking, the, the structure, the protocols, the, the technology we use to build networks is very similar. The, the differences come when it comes to around scaling and some of the properties and the changes which happen, how fast they happen. So we built our tech day one to scale. And we built it day one to be able to adapt adapt, uh, and learn from the network as changes mm. happen. That allowed us to go across these net- different network types. And we're also purely multi-vendor, right? We are not uh, from a, a specific hardware vendor okay. whose motivation is to solve their problem. We work across any vendor you can literally name in the industry. That's unique, I think. That's not something everybody does at this point in time. That's right. That's right. And it, it's hard mm. to do because you also have to take an approach where you can use both standard-based uh, APIs as well as proprietary APIs. A lot of engineering needed. It's not mm. just the machine learning. You know, people people get fixated on the machine learning. But I go back to my early days in Juniper and in the routing industry. Uh, the early routing software, which people like Juniper and Cisco shipped, you should ask mm. yourself, how many lines of code was BGP compared to everything that, that shipped in a Juniper or a Cisco box? Yeah. It's probably less than 0.1%. Uh, but people just think of BGP code, right? This is the yeah. same way. The amount of software needed to make this network AI ops work is humongous. A lot of it is in the ingestion, in the data engineering, yeah. and of course, model. The machine learning. Uh, yeah, model, you know, but building the, the model, just, ingesting, you know, because if you've got to bring in a configuration from, you know, a wide range, hundreds of devices, then you've got to create your own modeling language to say, if I read a switch, is the default model for that. doesn't matter what the, you know, how it gets it, whether it's Sonic or iOS or Junos, it doesn't matter at the end of the day. So one thing which I will point out, though, that we are not really in the configuration game. Mm. The way the way we learn the what we call the network model is we learn the topology and the relationships of the network using open config, using SNMP. We learn the network okay. model yeah, using standard protocols. So if I read that right, what you're saying there is you read the configuration of the box to build the model, but at this point, you're not actually into configuring um, the network. So you're not saying, you're not closing the loop here, which is, oh, I can see this is a problem. Let me do something for you. Because that's not that's not what most people want. We just want to know that there's a problem. You know, actually, that's a highly controversial area. So I'll tell you the approach we have taken and what I think the market wants, Right. So ultimately, hmm. this desire that there's a machine which sits, which figures out all the problems in the network and automatically goes and makes some change. So you've got, you know, life is really beautiful uh, soon after, right? That's uh, somewhere deep in the human psychology. We all want that. Uh, so, but there is a long journey to get there. That's, that's our approach. So we don't think that ultimately making changes back into the network is where the industry will not go. It will go there. Mm. Uh, but there's a there's a difficult journey to it. So our yeah, first step yeah. was let's figure out the the high fidelity problems which are happening in the network. Yeah, Today you have to work out is, what's happening before you can fix it. And so getting that stable exactly. and getting right. customers to trust it, you know, to to believe that the is going to take time. Yeah, right. But now what's happening is our customers are beginning to trust it. So some yeah. of our customers are beginning to drive changes back to the network. Good example is optics in the data center is misbehaving. Let's go and cost out that interface. Our customers are beginning to do that. 
uh, and that's happening using our customers' automation pipelines. And we are building more and more uh, those features in-house as well going forward. Are there other specific customer use cases or examples you can give of, of folks using Ogterra in the real world? There are tens of use cases. I'll pick one, which is around TCP retransmits. So TCP retransmits are a very good uh, proxy for application misbehavior caused by the network. So what we do is we take the right forms of networking data, S-flow, IP fix are two examples. We figure out TCP retransmits proactively in certain sections of the network. For example, they could be caused by fabric congestion in the data center because packets are being dropped on specific interfaces. Those packet drops are causing TCP retransmits which in turn is resulting in application latency. We can figure all this out and automatically correlate it. And this is a very, you can say, high value use case in data center and hybrid cloud and public cloud and also SD-WAN. Yeah, my guess is the high value there is that these uh, issues between is it an app, is it the network problem tend to be very difficult to resolve with both sides wanting to blame the other. So being able to gather up this information and present and say, here's what we're seeing, this is what's happening, could be very useful when you're trying to figure out, is this an app problem, is this a network problem? Exactly. Yeah. And you know, this is one of those unsolved things because it's always finger pointing and it's the whole notion of mean time to innocence. And a lot of people have tried <laughs> to do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, really, it's crazy, right? And it is. Uh, well, I call it, you call it mean time to innocence. I call it going home at five o'clock. I don't want to be there, at, you know, seven o'clock at night trying to troubleshoot down. <laughs> is there a performance problem or is it? No, I just want to go home. So meantime to innocence, you know, is the same as getting home on time. <laughs> That's very true. Yeah. Yes. But I think it also makes, you know, the efficiency of a help desk operation so much better because you're either avoiding the call to the help desk in the start um, by picking up things before the users start to report them and or you've got you know, you might be checking the system to, when there's a help desk query and going, no, no, there's nothing coming from Altera. I know that the network's running okay. Well, like, somewhere in the middle of that is the reality, right? Yeah. See, actually, one of the things which uh, which our customers find a lot of value is that we can find ish things before they happen. Mm. So uh, before outages happen, we can really figure out anomalies in advance. And that uh, takes you from a very reactive posture where you're always chasing the problem as an operations team a very proactive posture where you can fix things before they break. And uh, we, we are finding that our customers can fix up to 50% of the issues and avoid outages before they really they happen. And that, that's supremely, supremely valuable. Well, that does uh, wrap up the time we have. If you're interested in finding out more about Ogterra, just go to ogterra.com slash packet pushers. That's A-U-G-T-E-R-A dot com slash packet pushers. Thank you, Rahul, for joining us. And thanks to you for listening. If you like this episode, you can find it and many more fine free technical podcasts along with our community blog. It's all at packetpushers.net. You can follow us on Twitter at Packet Pushers, find us on LinkedIn, hear us on Spotify, and rate us on Apple Podcasts. And last but not least, remember that too much networking would never be enough.